Thank you for tuning in to the Practical Preservation Podcast. Please take a moment to visit our website, practicalpreservationservices.com, for additional information and tips to help you restore your historical home. If you've not done so, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, and also like us on Facebook. Welcome to the Practical Preservation Podcast, hosted by Danielle and Jonathan Kepperling. Kepperling Preservation Services is a family-owned business based in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, dedicated to the preservation of our built architectural history for today's use as well as future generations. Our weekly podcast provides you with expert advice specific to the unique needs of renovating a historic home, educating by sharing our from-the-trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise, balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home. ...material called Lithomix. Andy is married to Audrey and they have four children. So Andy, thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, Danielle. So, um... I was when I was reading that I was thinking about we had a seminar two weeks ago on a Saturday, um, and I actually somebody asked about how to how where where they could get the, the line based mortars and training, and I, I did give you a plug. So. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, ha, um, so how did you get started in preservation? Well, I guess I first have to answer how I got started in masonry, and uh, when I was in high school. I uh, didn't have um, uh, funds really to go to college or know what direction I wanted to go. So a lot of kids go undecided and they take student loans and that's how they get involved in going to college. But I, I, I thought to myself, well, what's the other options? And, uh, you know, dating myself with Dan Fogelberg uh, as a guitarist, he sang a song, leader of the band. His father was a cabinet maker's son. And so all of a sudden that kind of romantic idea of being a craftsperson sprung to mind and uh, so I started looking at trade schools and I found one of the oldest trade schools in the country the Williamson Free School of Mechanical Trades it's called Williamson College of the Trades now but uh, it was called the Free School of Mechanical Trades and I applied there and it is in fact free I, I lived there for three years on a scholarship room board and um, you know, my training all uh, covered uh, by a scholarship. So I graduated with no debt um, and uh, I went to there for learning masonry specifically. So when I got out of school to answer the question, how did I get started in preservation? Uh, because I live in Bucks County, Pennsylvania and there's uh, just littered with historic brick and stone buildings. When I got out, I worked for a few contractors for a few years and then I decided that the level of masonry that I was doing is probably more uh, elaborate of what I learned at Williamson than what was being done to just build block buildings or whatever I was, whatever I was building. And so I decided to start my own business in 1984. <clears throat> so that was a good 35 years ago. And uh, well, when I had truck and had travel and will travel and will do whatever masonry, you know, whatever somebody wanted, I could yes. do all the different trowel trades. I could set tile and plaster and stucco right. and blade bricks and blocks and stones. Um, I found that when I was asked only uh, six months into business to repoint an old stone farmhouse, um, I did find that that work was a little more pleasant because 
you could kind of slow things down and you could do things that had to do with uh, remedying um, the, uh, <clears throat> the, 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 the shortcomings of a historic structure where the stonework has to be relayed or uh, repairs have to be done and how the masonry ties into the cornice or to the... So I found that that was just the tip of the iceberg of finding that most all of our beautiful historic structures have so much uh, detail. Uh, you know, they're, they're character-defining features that are to do with, uh, <clears throat> you know, belts of brickwork laid in red mortar where the rest is laid in a, uh, you know, uh, you know, say, a, uh, you know, buff-colored mortar. Um, <clears throat> or there could be a brownstone with rusticated faces and, uh, you know, limestone, Indiana limestone sills and just so many ornate detailing that we don't see today. So I kind of fell in love with preservation. So that's what got me started in historic preservation, just being asked to repair old buildings. And I decided, you know what, I'm gonna make that my specialty and niche. And, and niche and focus, and, and that makes sense. And I, I uh, going back to your the beginning, I love that song. And actually, every time I hear it, it makes me think of my dad, so. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, um, uh, did you find in the early 80s when you were starting out on your own, did you have to do a lot of research on historic masonry or was there, were, I know right now with the internet, it's much easier to do your research now, but was that a, was that a struggle in the beginning? Yeah, I would say, you know, at, at school, my instructor uh, was a contractor 30 years and then he also, you know, taught there, you know, good, good, uh, well, he was a contractor for like 20 years and taught there for like 30 years. Um, and his, his instructor was also, you know, 30 years as an instructor there. So a lot of the, the type of information that I got was a throwback to old. So we, I had a great, uh, you know, textbook, and, well, more than textbook, my uh, notebook where I took written notes of right. what, you know, I was taught. Uh, came in helpful later regarding mortar mixes and things. But what had me uh, very curious was the only... Uh, in 1986 did I take an intense uh, workshop uh, by a company called Restore, all capital letters. They're based in Manhattan. And they had intensive workshops in Williamsburg, Virginia for a couple of weeks. And I took a class led by the professor of architectural conservation at Columbia. Okay. So it was that, that class, only two years in the business, mm -hmm. where material science was opened my eyes so we as we know this this interview is about you know where i've gone and with lime works what's all with the lime and all that kind of stuff well you know i i really when you go to school and trade school whatever the materials you use are what you're told to use and right. you're not a chemist you don't know anything about all this stuff so you do whatever you're told um but when i realized that there's six thousand years of building history with lime and sand only right. for mortar and yet these castles and all these buildings worldwide are still standing kind of with a quiet testimony, hey, this works. Right. You're getting new and improved everything in the United <laughs> States and everywhere else. But guess what? If you go back to very fundamental types of materials, right. you can get a service life that's outstanding. So I uh, learned this from the professor from Columbia and, um, you know, at this workshop. And so I became very intrigued with uh, the, the material that is the binder to, that holds together the sand, the aggregate in a mortar that's ca called, this binder's called lime. Right. And what does that mean? It's very, very, really, it's very, very simple mm -hmm. material, but it, yet there's some complexities 
And interestingly, in our country, probably the world, like most who vie for market share to get, you know, right. sell their stuff, people have an interest to keep it smoke and mirrors and confusing and all that, where it doesn't really need to be. Right. And so part of our mission is because we're craftspeople first. We really just want to know, give us the straightforward, straight up answer. Right. Be on the level about all this stuff because we need to execute good quality repairs. And so my intent to get the material originally, to understand it, was to elevate my craft and raise the bar right. for the quality of the repair. And, and longevity. And longevity, yeah. all that good yeah. stuff, yeah. yeah. So, well, uh, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And, and you, I was doing some research, not, not for this interview, but in April I, was, I did a, a blog post about sustainability and concrete and how hard Portland is on the environment mm -hmm. and environmentally and how lime is a better option. But I, that was when I had the revelation that all of the stucco, plaster, mortar, all of that is pretty much the same basic, you know, recipe or you know not a recipe but ingredients and then the recipe is just a little different mm -hmm. but i i hadn't i hadn't had that revelation until until then you no, know okay, yeah yeah, right. yeah. Yes. so modern so, materials yeah. do have all kinds of synthetic plastics and you know mm -hmm. resins and and all kinds of things lime it's kind of like the trade is ancient it's a lot of uh you know bulwark and it's a it's uh, a lot of handwork to do good yes. quality yeah. detailing um, and then the mortar is, uh, you know, this very, very simplistic, earthy, very plentiful material line. Right. Uh, but it's been modified so many ways with people who have a corner on there, whatever it is right. they're trying to patent, yeah. you know, and make a system mm -hmm. that can be palletized and shipped. Right. But, but it wasn't, buildings weren't built like that originally. No. And uh, so, so there's some really good... Uh, so like truths about going back to how things were done and finding that you know the 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 easy answer the simple answer the one we did before was the best answer yes yeah, yeah. yeah. so um we kind of talked about how how you got started and, and your focus your focus on preservation um do you are there things that you wish you knew when you got started that you know now or any major mistakes oh, oh major mistakes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> public confessions oh my gosh <laughs> I always say, like my, my favorite say, uh, story is to say, you know, if you had a wonderful omelet, you know, that a, an omelet chef yes. made, and you say, oh my gosh, you're a genius in what you do. You'd say, well, you didn't see the thousand omelets I had throw out. Right. But to get to yeah. this point where I can just whip it together in no time, right? Yeah. So, you know, in the same way, I don't think there's any rite of passage to get to, any, you know, like I'm an overnight success. Right. 30, 35 years <laughs> overnight success. You know what I mean? It, no, no, you know, you got, you got to like put in the time school hard knocks get beat up yeah. I think the biggest trouble I had a, con a conversation with a contractor uh, from New York uh, Manhattan this morning who uh, you know in a way a lot of us uh, in, in the trades you know we rely on each other to talk about our troubles or whatever and uh, you know he was just saying how the trade you know if it could only just be the trade and it wasn't all the other complexities of right. running business yeah. and dealing with people and all the all the you know laws and regulations and things that just make it so restrictive and hard and and the, the craft the trade is pleasurable it's lovely it's right. wonderful it's a wonderful thing to spend your life on yeah. and uh, so it's uh, so the thing anyway things that i wish i knew when i got started was i guess i did not know how hard it would be to uh, 
to operate and run a seasonal business because lot right. masonry it's and especially you're going to use lime right your window of time is it's like from good weather spring to the the, the worst of like around thanksgiving right. after in the fall yeah. And so you got nine months to make hay with the sunshine. So you have a limited <laughs> amount of time right. to really make up whatever your co- fit, fit, you know, right. your figures and are. Then you, you have need. to make it work. And you yeah. got to make it work. But everyone yeah. wants to work year round, so right. you have to schedule inside work and do this, do that. Rain for the last two years. Oh has my been, goodness, rain was terrible. Talk has about been terrible. even when yeah. I think I had it figured out. Then you throw. <laughs> oh, how about we throw this wrench into your mixer? Right. You know, <laughs> boom. You know, like now it's raining and. And, you know, and I'll tell you that, you know, there's so many issues, um, the world's getting so complex. So anything I wish I knew I started is like, well, I get, I, you know what? I really don't wish, if I could go back, I don't wish that anybody would have told me how hard it was. Because if they you, did, you might have I might have yeah. not even gone yeah. for it. Yeah. But when I was 21 and invincible, <laughs> right. okay, and I'm 58 now, but back then I was like, like okay, I could do it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, had I known, I might have been just, uh, oh my gosh, scared to death. Yeah. So you don't know, you just, you just deal yeah. with it one, and that's pretty much when we ended up discovering in the end. Right. Uh, you, you know, we, we didn't try to plug uh, um, numbers into a Gantt chart and try to figure out the computer, <laughs> the scheduling right. or whatever. I don't think so. Yeah. You just got to just cross that bridge. You run with plan A and B and C when guys are calling sick or something yeah. happens or material's not there or who knows what, you know. You, you, you're going to have to just be thinking quick on your feet and be ready to be mal- like the lime. Yes. Lime is here for thousands of years because it has a symbiotic relationship with nature. Right. It does not fight water. It likes water to come into it and releases it back to the atmosphere. Right. And because it's malleable and moves with the slight movements of the earth, mm-hmm. it has lasted for centuries because it's not rigid like right. cement is. Yeah. So the point is, is if you are rigid, a person, in, mm-hmm. in, the, the, the crafts and arts, right. artists have to be a little free thinking, a little bit open-minded. <laughs> right. Because if you get rigid about stuff, you cannot, you are just going to break. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. cement and, breaks. And, and you see some of those artists that are like, they just can't handle it. They, oh, yeah. They just, they, and some of them, yeah. yeah, some of them, you know, the starving <laughs> artists is a whole other issue oh, about, yeah. we get focused yeah. on our craft, we forget to balance the book to pay the bills right. kind of thing. Yeah. Somehow or another, even though my name's De Grouchy, it's a French name, <laughs> yes. right? So I got a little artisty French kind of thing. <laughs> My mother's maiden name von Stolzenberg. So I got okay. some German side yes. fighting in my head. About, you balance the books, okay? And, and industry. And you can do fancy stuff, you know? So. Oh, that's great. I think that's that's great advice, too, because you have to have that balance. Yeah. Um, so what, what are the challenges that you see in, in preservation uh, looking forward or, or that you're, you're encountering now? Well, I'd say uh, there's so many challenges. It is almost overwhelming to think of what would go wrong you know you really have to approach this probably it's a life lesson thing you gotta almost approach life uh, you know with the glass half full yeah because you can see it half empty and emptying out and you can see it's the end of the world and you know at any given time probably from yeah, Noah's day, it's the end of the world, to now it's right. Noah's probably, you know, probably building an ark again. I know it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's a mess, you yeah, know, with the rain, is. the environment, oh, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Never mind drugs, you oh, know, yeah. uh, you know uh, drug abuse everywhere. Okay, so I think at the root of uh, what I see as the biggest problem with preservation is that, you know, they often say like, oh, there's a saying, I'm not sure who quoted it, but it was that, you know, what we tend, what we have decided to save Mm-hmm. tells a lot to the future right. uh, what, 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 we, was what, what was important what was important to us right so I think that having 
seeing value in older things. Yes. I love older things because I realize you're never going to get that made in America again. Right. You're never going to see that. And when they bulldoze a historic, you know, stone building with these beautiful, uh, you know, stones that have been hand dressed right. and have yeah. beautiful detailing, uh, you, you know, I don't know that they realize how much effort went in and how effortlessly beautiful that building is, right. as opposed to a stick frame with just an elastomeric stucco and everything else that's uh, planned obsolescence or falling apart. Right. But the issue is, is that we don't seem to teach value in substance of long-term community. Like, you know, right. everyone wants to go to Europe to these villages that are ancient and look, see how they built it once and it's here for a thousand years. Right. You know, but here we're building like pop-up, uh, you know, McMansion kind of like, yeah. you know, here today going to more point of sale, just sell it, get out of your money and run, you know, yeah. whoever the builder is or whatever. Yeah. We're going a very slow and hard tra uh, track yeah, by track. by trying to uh, stop everything, hold the phone, let's yeah. look at what we're doing, and let's try to do a very high-quality repair. I'm not alone. There's a lot of people who believe, and you need those. Right. You need patrons. Yes. You need, yeah. So in preservation, you need somebody who says, I get you. Right. I know what you want. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm not – so – I'm not flipping this church. Right, you know, like you got right. a lot of our yeah. customers will be as someone who has a church in a community. Right. They said, we've been yeah. here on 150 years. We, we did not repoint the bell tower to 100 years. Right. And now, every 25 years, we're seeing we got to re-repoint. Right. Andy, can you get us back on track with the 100-year fix? Because we, we can't afford to keep doing $200,000 know, repointing right. jobs every yeah. 25 years. Well, and, and the, the, whole, um, the whole idea of having that permanence and and the people who really do understand i mean i can tell you when somebody calls and they're 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 not a tenant they're not a tenant in the house like if they're a landlord or they're just trying to flip it i know that we're not going to be a good fit because no. the solution that we offer is not going to be the cheapest which is what they're looking for and it's they they just want something so that it looks good so yeah. that they can sell it and be done exactly yeah. <clears throat> so there's a problem with uh, that what what people value right uh, there's too much emphasis on you know money and how much money you have and money 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 you know right. money is really you know, it, it's really the stuff that money buys, I suppose, is, is what maybe... Yeah, and But then what you buy, I think... Uh, the, 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 also we, shows your values. We yeah. work for a lot of people that are very successful because if they're not... If it's not a historic church, right. it's a person with maybe a homestead that goes back two or three, four, five, six generations. Yeah. And they feel a stewardship of their yes. building. And they're like, you know what? This is my great-grandfather built it. I want to do this 100% the right way right. because I value my family, values the structure, mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. So uh, what they – I find that uh, either it's a family homestead or people who have purchased a – because they were well off. Right. They've done well in business, let's say. Mm -hmm. And they decide that they, they really want that Bucks County uh, you know, farmhouse with you know, a lot of acreage and beautiful right. histor history behind yes. it and all that. Um, and when I go down their tree line driveway and I meet these people, some of them are, they no, no wonder they did well in business, they make good decisions. Right. So yeah. what they do is they know how to procure good quality goods. Mm -hmm. And so they will rifle through, not list, not taking the low, you know, we're not trying right. to go for the lowest price right. or what, you know, because they know, and they, they've already, you know, the things that they drive, the things they own, the things are all of very tan, very solid substance. Yeah, and quality. Yeah. And so, I, so one is teaching 
what is quality? Mm-hmm. You know, where should you spend your money? What should you engage yourself right. in and, buy, and purchase and surround yourself with? So there's like an education. So this word, a key thing, you said, what's the biggest problem? And we know we often go back to, you know, education. Right. People need to be educated. Yeah. Because the way the um, uh, industries in the United States sell you stuff, you know, I remember when Lick'em Stick'em Stone came out. Oh, we yeah. never do Lick'em Stick'em Stone, never. <laughs> We've all done real stonework, real right. brickwork, okay? When it came out, I could not get over that this stuff was dropped off with five shapes in a box, and it looked like you put somebody's patio on their wall, right? right? And I'm like, this stuff's never going to sell. How's it going to go? Yeah. You know what? Lick and stick. When you put a sales force behind even crap, right? You will put out of business the genuine article, the real masons, and the quarries closed, and everything else. And now it's palletized, and so it, I don't care if it's pharmaceutical or lick and stick and stone or everything else. Everyone wants to. It's going for sales and market share and packaging things right. into a system. It's not about handwork and craft and what. So you know the biggest problem is not falling for the lie. Right. That is fed to us every day by stuff that's systematized and saying that's the way you got to do it. You got to go with the system. Yeah. Don't yeah. buck the system, Andy. Yeah. You know, but artists buck the system. They do. We, we like they say do. we're not going <laughs> for the status quo. You don't got to tell us how to think and what right. to do. We're going to do what we what we our heart tells us. Yes. Yeah. And and so so I think the biggest cha- and we're trying to uh, you know the biggest challenge of preservation is that people aren't educated about what is really is valuable. Right. And then. Uh, the other, you know, the, the younger generations anymore, and you talk to anybody who sells antiques, they right. say the new generations, they're not that really interested in antiques. They want a condo and a bicycle and go to the park. And I can't blame you. I mean, life is about enjoying your life, right. not necessarily, you know, having a dining room like your mother did or whatever right. with the silverware. People don't do that stuff anymore, exactly. But so, so the values can change and can be maybe changed for good, you know. But, but, the, but the, still, the idea. Is where you put value, you know, is um, is 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 that um, a problem in preservation is uh, like say a developer, they don't have a tier in their beer about bulldozing a farmhouse that's on the property right. where they're going to put a big development of home. Yeah. No, no care whatsoever. This thing's a nuisance. It's going to go away. Yeah. And so, because there's pressures and because there's middle of the night. Okay, you know what you do? You tear it down and then you beg forgiveness after it's done. Right. Uh, let's do that in a hurry now. Let's try that trick. Yeah. Okay, everybody is tricking everybody and the tricks in a way, same with making an American. No, we don't produce anything in America. Right. We supply. So guess what? We're not producing anything. And I believe me, I love microbreweries and all, right. whole towns are being reinvented by this being restaurants and microbreweries. Right. But we're not producing any no, it's like thing. Space. We're just yeah. moving around old money. Yeah. And we're tr- and and again, I think all this uh, you know new development bulldoze and everything. It's in our way. It's in our way because I have an agenda. Right. My agenda is make money and make money at the expense of our cultural heritage, our historic restoration. We don't care to tell the story to our children. No, Johnny, we're not from a land of glass boxes like in Philadelphia. <laughs> right. If they start bulldozing every building in there, like to say they don't, yeah. Philadelphia's doing a great job right now, yeah. uh, restoring a lot of structures. But when you approach a city and uh, any more the, the, the beautiful skyline of what would be buildings that had a traditional appearance of masonry and they replace with this maintenance, less maintenance, glass, all glass, it's a, a land of yeah. glass boxes, um, you know, it doesn't tell the story of where we came from and who we are and what we valued. What did our forefathers value? You know, well, right. they obviously thought, let's just tear all that down. So let's, right. why don't we just tear everything down? That yeah. must be an answer, tear stuff down. Yeah. 
So, you know, it's really, I think, a big problem in, in preservation. You need people who, are, who, who care for, for things, con conservators and, and curators and people that want to document and archive history and value and tell the story because we need to be able to tell our children's children where we come from, what's important. And I don't care if it was 15,000 years ago, cave paintings. There's, they, they told the story. You should have seen the bison, the horses, the things we shot. They wanted to tell the story to the next generation yes. who it was. And so these historic structures are a thumbprint of what we, how we did things and what was a value. And we cannot um, lose that. And if we do, you say, what's the worry if we lose it? Well, you know, even in war, one, you know, when, when the British uh, occupied Philadelphia in 1777, yeah. one of their first... Thing. They knew it. We knew it. We knew it. I'm from. I'm right here from yeah. Philadelphia area. I was born in Philadelphia and raised in the area. Okay. We took the Liberty Belt down as quick as right. we could get it down. Right. You know why? Because they're going to go to in Philadelphia. They're going to take all those bells down from all those churches and melt them and then shoot us with our Liberty Belt. Right. Make right. bullets, right? Yeah. So we took that bell down. We ran it up past Quakertown where I live, mm -hmm. up in Allentown, hit yes. it overnight. Yeah. But the point is, the whole reason not just to get metal and make bullets. The whole reason that even in warfare. The very first thing you do is to demoralize people, is to take away their cultural identity, ruin right. everything that they recognize right. as valuable. Yeah. Well, yeah. our own worst enemy, we're doing it to ourselves. We're tearing our <laughs> own heritage. We don't right. need anybody to bomb us. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're bombing ourselves. Yeah. So the problem of preservation is this incredible shift of thinking that has to occur. And I'm hoping we're on the forefront of it, and I just am searching for other like-minded people to be champions with us. Right, yeah. And, and something, you know, the whole demolition thing, I know when I was involved with the Lancaster, or the Historic Preservation Trust of Lancaster County, um, we, the executive director at the time was going to every municipality in Lancaster County. And that's one thing that I don't think people understand is, like, all those decisions are made at local levels. So you have to kind of get involved in your local politics. And there's 60 different municipalities in just Lancaster County right. that can write these, you know, demolition. And they were just going, because uh, in Pennsylvania's um, constitution, it says we have to um, conserve our historic resources along with our natural resources. Those two things are in the Pennsylvania constitution. Mm -hmm. And... So we went to all of the municipalities and we're like, at least put a demolition, you know, review in place because, you know, a lot of them don't have anything. Mm -hmm. So one way that I think that I've been trying to get people involved in that is at least talk to your local people, get them to realize that there's, there might, there might, might not be anything standing in between, you know, no, 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 uh, legality or no, you know, no, no, no rules standing in between you know, your, dem your demolition permit and, or not, you know, it might not even need a permit depending on where it is. Right. So that's, I, I think, I, I, I try to, I don't think most people realize that. I think they think it's made at these big levels, but it's all local. Yeah. yeah. So do you see, um, um, tr I guess we kind of talked about your trends in preservation. Do you want to talk about the, um, what you're doing here to help kind of with the education at the craft? Yeah. Um, Craftwork Training Center. Yeah, Craftwork Training Center. Craftwork Training Center. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, it's like this. You know, if you wonder, what am I sprinkling on my Cheerios to be having all this energy to do this? I'm 58 years old. Most people are kind of thinking, like, should I retire? Do I have an exit strategy? Am right. Gonna, yeah. How am I going to tiptoe out backwards out of this one? You know. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't golf, right? So I'm right. not going to go. I'm not planning on retire. You know, because yeah. one, if you love what you're doing, when's when do you, when's the when's the line between and what do you do when you retire? I right. I want to be purposeful. You know. Yeah. 
So uh, when I realized that LimeWorks, our company, supplied iconic projects around the United States, we supplied all the mortar to restore St. Patrick's Cathedral in Manhattan. We, we supplied all the mortar to restore the Rotunda Dome at University of Virginia. Uh, you know, it gets, it's, it's, it's a blur. There's so many historic structures we are relied on so greatly. Yeah. Uh, we, we employ in our laboratory uh, 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 someone who has his uh, master's in historic preservation from Penn, and we do mortar analysis, all this wonderful stuff. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, you know what, Andy? It's a dream that a brick, a mason, mm -hmm. is going to ever get a chance to serve his industry in such a large capacity. So right. almost like, Andy, you, you're obligated to not retire. You're, right. you're, you're gonna, yeah. We're going to well, prop yeah. you up as long as we yeah. need. Like I'm telling myself, like, yeah. everybody, prop me up. <laughs> we got to keep this going. Well, and you only have two hands. Like you can only do so much physical work, but to be able to, I can see that thought process. You got to delegate. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. and, and that is exactly my thought process yeah. in the sense that, um, you know, all our guys, I've had guys with me 30 years of, you know, I got, you know, many seasoned professionals yes, here. Yeah. And so we thought to ourselves, you know, what am I gonna do? Say, well, here's a gold watch. Thanks for your 30 years. Don't let the screen door hit you on the way out. Right. I'm not doing that thing. But yeah. So rather, I wanna honor them and say, hey, you know what? You got a lot of knowledge. We, how about we try in the next, whatever many years we get, to try to pass the baton to another generation and create uh, this mentor, this love, pass the fire yes, yeah. of the love of the trade because a trade you know, it sounds a lot like work, and the schools, you know, where, where generally the, the Votech schools right. are like, Johnny, you're not doing well. Let's put you in a Votech because you seem to be a flunky. Which right. this makes me angry because yeah. you need a brain. Yeah. So, oh, <laughs> you go into you go in the cities in these beautiful row homes yeah. and the pocket doors and the and the woodwork. Yeah. These guys were very skilled. Yes. And they were smart. They had a measuring yes. cut and figure, you know. And at the end, it's not just you're very smart or you're very needy because it's a depression. It's 1930 right. or, uh, yeah. you know, uh, you know uh, Roham or something like that. No, it's because in the end, there is a fulfillment that it's kind of being lied to. You know, right. in, in, the way, in the way, the, the universities, I don't know, again, the university, I love higher education as right. well. But I'm a little bit upset about all the billboards on, you see on the highways about... <laughs> Go to the, yeah, if you're going to have cancer, you're going to have a heart of operation. Right. They're all competing in the hospitals like it's some kind of, you know, again, right. smart money. Right. And then, then the thing, same thing with um, universities. Come get, learn your new career and your life here and all that. Right. When those jobs, they might get nothing but a huge student loan and yeah. not be able to get a job. Yeah. Where here in a trade, you know, you engage your head and your heart and your hands. And yes. you end up having a sense of fulfillment and you're... You're earning while you're learning. You know, you're right. making a great living, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, and, and uh, you know, and I'm, I, I should probably be the poster child of that because I went to trade school and now I, I have a wonderful home and I have this farm. Yes. And, I'm, and so my intent now, you ask me what's intent, what's my pushback? I am saying that instead of planning any kind of retirement, uh, my, me and the guys who work for me as masons and tradespeople, we are engaging them to be... Uh, at the forefront of teaching whomever would take classes. Now, see, in the last 20 years I have lime works. Right. People say, well, can you tell me any intricacies about yeah. pointing with lime or plastering or stuck or anything like that? So we'd say, oh yeah, we'd run a class haphazardly whenever. Right. But then when I decided to buy this farmstead that goes back to 1736, seven generations of a Mennonite family lived here. Uh, it was a sawmill that ran for 150 years on a water wheel. Mm -hmm. 
I told the township when I said, hey, you're, I'm zoned to plant industrial. Do you mind if I take this and repurpose and breathe new life into this old farm? Right. And they're all dilapidated buildings, but I restore those buildings. So let me restore them and convert it into a place that teaches historic preservation, mm -hmm. using this as the background yes. yeah. of these antique buildings. And so they love the idea because probably a lot of the lumber that built the surrounding towns came from this Durston right. mill right yeah. here today. So uh, they, they, were, they were all for what I'm doing. And um, so now I'm, I'm trying to honor my guys by saying, would you run classes? So I, we're still actively, we're doing a bell tower yeah, right now. Working, yeah. At church, we're still working, but I'll pull them off. Like today we have seven people taking a repointing class. One of my guys got him off the scaffold and I got him here teaching today. Yeah. At first, the guys were like, I don't know how to teach a class. I don't know what to say or whatever. But after a while, they realized by showing people how much they actually know by them showing them, realizing no, right. they don't get what you're saying. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then they, then now they're very proud about it. And so I, I feel that um, the best thing we can do, I would call it like a legacy part of our lives, is to say, let's take whatever remaining years we have and try to do our best effort to, to like just incubate a new generation of proud craftsmen. Yes. Because the, you can't legislate and tell people, okay, uh, people who don't make any, uh, or, uh, you know, or welfare of the city, uh, we're gonna start a program and we're gonna enroll you and pay for, it's all paid for, for you to become a Mason. Then right. they go and they're like, I don't wanna do this. They right. told me to do this, I'm doing this because I, whatever, I gotta yeah. do it, or else I won't get a paycheck, you know? Right. But we're not going about that way. We know that the only way to really pass a trade on to someone else is you have to work, for, learn from a mentor, an apprenticeship. You gotta work with somebody, yeah. understand, and then all of a sudden, you start to fall in love with the nuances of what you do. Yes. And once you start engaging your head and your heart and your hands, it all comes you start together. Yeah, yeah, you start making money by it yes. because you're good at it. Mm -hmm. And then you start feeling really, you know, you can't wait to get a more a book about it, another right. book, or start yeah. reading or hearing about this, going to a seminar. And next thing you know, you've got fulfillment in your life. Because a lot of people are searching for that too. They are. They're not they just are. money. Yeah. They got to be happy. Yeah, you, you want more than just a job. Right. Exactly. Because like, money is money, money, and, and, and needing to needing to pay your bills will only get you out of bed, you know, so many days, and then and then the other days they're calling in with excuses. Right. <laughs> so I I had two thoughts while you were saying that. Um, I know I and I I don't I don't even know what the name of the program was, but there was a program in Lancaster City like that. And I was calling it Carpentry for Convicts because it was like they were make, they were having to trade school everybody had there were people who had just gotten out of jail had to go to it I'm like did anybody ask them yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but um, and who who comes to your classes is it homeowners is it tradespeople is it we you know a lot of people think uh, that you know oh it's just homeowners something like that mm -hmm. no it's not um, we have we do have homeowners sometimes okay. we'll have people come from all across the country That's even great. even uh, Jamaica oh, yeah. because I got a c connection with the islands um, where they like my idea of Craftwork Training Center. The problem is worldwide of younger people not going into the traditional right. trades. Yeah. And so uh, they're trying to learn in Jamaica how we are doing this because they want to uh, replicate, uh, replicate yeah. and get a, cl a cluster of old buildings and start a Craftwork Training oh, Center that's there. Great. Okay. Yeah. So the people have come from all over to take the classes. All right. Well, we have homeowners, Missouri. They don't come from Missouri. Right. Say, so I'm here today. Because I have tried to get someone to repoint my chimney or my foundation. I can't get anyone. Right. And you know the truth is, in the end, if we show the simple steps to do it, it's not rocket science. You no. don't have to have a Harvard degree to do uh, repointing. Right. 
however, sometimes the guy is disqualified who has a Harvard degree because sometimes they are not going to just focus on the simple task right. of what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes simple got people who do simple work is such a profoundly exactly what you right. need to yeah. do to get the job done. Definitely. And so people will say, you know what? I am just going to go take this class and fix my own place. So we do get homeowners. Mm -hmm. But we also get, you know, the International Masonry Institute is the training arm of unionized masons. Oh, okay. And we've had their trainers come here to be oh, trained. That's great. Yeah, we've had them yeah. trained not just to do pointing, but we have the Lithomix is a, is a, is a, is really, you know, it's only a matter of time till everyone uh, who is in the trade will understands yes. it. But it is superior to anything out there. And that works for brick and stone. Brick right? and stone. Yeah. Restoring and repairing yeah. lost faces of bricks and stones and recording. It, it, the material, uh, we just had uh, an intern from Penn do a, uh, her thesis and they put it through 100 year weathering chambers and all kinds yeah. of beat the stuff out of yeah. it. Came up with flying colors. And so we, we know that we have very, very good materials to mm -hmm. work with. And so uh, union masons are, are finding that, guess what, it's also, he's selling it at a very palatable price compared to the ooh-la-las. You right. know, some people want to uh, make uh, their European uh, branded, you know, with smoke and mirrors and all kind of things, just, just for money. Right. And, and yet there's, there's uh, shortcomings in it's, it's, uh, when, when, when you do the repair, they're failing prematurely. And they're like, uh, oh, must be application errors. Your guys aren't good enough. Right. They didn't know or whatever. Well, the Masons, you can't fool them if they're hands on a wall and they're doing, using our stuff up against what they already know. Right. They are saying, you know what, this stuff feels good. Somehow something feels very good about this mm -hmm. material. Then they're seeing the outcome and they're, they're de demanding to the architect or the building owner, could we please switch this specification to this stuff, this right. lithomix, because yeah. it's, it's beautiful stuff. So because of that demand, then the, that's the union uh, training facility said, uh, a lot of Masons are wanting this stuff we better get trained because right. we have a sort of we when someone comes to take a class here we will give them a certificate of completion you know and all that says is you had a pulse and right. you were here <laughs> and you did something right, right? it certificate of completion doesn't guarantee anything right. right uh because we get people who come here and we're after like day one we're like have you ever done this before and they're like no and it's like you know what you got natural talent right then yeah. we've had people who are masons with 15 degrees and everything else like that. they can't even freaking lay right. a brick okay <laughs> so i don't know what you know i have no idea right. so this is just what i'm getting at is we have a place in order to have people practice and perfect their art, they can come here to Craftwork Training Center yes. and they can take a very simple class and a more complex class and more complex class. But we have with, say, Lithomix, mm -hmm. we don't have a certificate completion. We have a certified installer class okay. and then we have a certified in trainer class for training others. And that's what the, the, the IMI uh, is interested in tra having their trainers be trained to be trainers because they don't want to send everyone to tell for PA and they got like, yeah, you know, sixty some right. uh, training facilities across the country. So, um, you know, what pe people come here from homeowners to uh, country bumpkin mason guys that are out, you know, just doing work in Bucks County, yeah. Lancaster, wherever, anywhere USA. Uh, we get those guys. We get uh, you know all sorts of uh, people just curious and want to. You know, we have people who have a regular job, right? And they want to augment what they do. Uh, they want to keep their day job. Yeah. But they see we have a wood shop where we teach wood shutter, uh, wood sash, yes. and door restoration. And we intend to have a smithy shop. We tend to have other 
shops that uh, we have a plaster studio and so on. People yeah. come and because they want to just have a tr something they, they could do learn. on the weekend yeah. Yeah. or they could sell a job or just for their own satisfaction. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think we've touched on it. You can tell me if there's anything else. Is there, what makes your business different from other preservation businesses? I think my business is a lot like other preservation businesses mm -hmm. because if I, we gel with another person who's a crafts person right. and we gel with someone who's a preservation business like you guys are historic restorations, right. the reason we gel is because you love what you're doing. Right. We love what you're doing. That's a common denominator. Right. So the difference is, is the thing about the Grouchy Masonry Restoration, and many have told me this over the years, is that you know, Andy? You know, there's some big corporate companies, you know, that 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 do masonry restoration right. in the cities, and yet they're all owned by you know, it's just business, nothing personal. Right, it's just right. business here. Yeah. We're just business people. Yeah, we don't care what make. Well, they maybe they care, but they're saying it's the commodity which we sell. Right. It's, the difference yeah. is, I am a mason, mm -hmm. and I love and the you trade. Understand it. Yeah. And I understand it, and so. Yeah. In this, so we, we are not like other preservation businesses that get into it because it's a, a lucrative business to right, get into. Right. We are we are, but we are like preservation businesses that are into the real depth of the word to to put in conservation, to restore, to preserve, yes. to to keep intact, to be you know healers, helpers, yes, fixers, yeah. menders. You know, then we gel with those yeah, people, yeah. and so right, that's what yeah. makes us very much yeah, like. That, the, and we struggle with. A, that sometimes with when we're finding um, employees, it's like you can get a good trim carpenter and they can do that work, but they get tired of repairing stuff all the time. They just want to go in and do new trim, like all you know. Yeah. It, it, so it is. It's a different mindset. It really mm -hmm. is. So how can our listeners um, get in contact with you? Well, uh, if they want to call LimeWorks at Craftwork Training Center, it's easy. We've made it easy. Two one five five three six seventeen seventy six. <laughs> right, that's that's the spirit, right? So we, we uh, have that number. Really easy to get a uh, hold of both the Craftwork Training Center and LimeWorks okay. US. And my masonry business, you know, repointing.com is where you see the work that we do as masons. Um, and that's where people get a hold of me. Okay. My, my email is help at repointing.com. Okay. And I'll make sure that those are on our website too when, we, when this gets posted. Great. And do, do you have any offers, any classes that are upcoming, anything for the listeners? Um, well, yes, one really exciting thing that I, I think I'd like to share, and okay. that, that is because it's just hot off the press. Uh, about two years we've been working with Bucks County Community College. Okay. They are quite a stellar organization, um, really a world-class uh, associate degree in historic preservation mm -hmm. for such a community college at such a high-level school uh, uh, class is pretty amazing. Um, and they are known for it. You know, we're on they the are, country. Yeah. So here, what's really exciting is that, you know, whether it be Penn or Columbia or Rutgers or, you know, wherever they teach historic preservation, yes. there is a very, very distinct need. If someone is going to be uh, involved in historic preservation, and they might even dictate to the guys who do the work what should be done, shouldn't be done. Yes. It would be very helpful that those people who went to these schools had touched a brick, right. had laid a stone, had that, you know, no, no, they agree. Okay. Yeah. so, so Bucks County Community College is entering a, a partnership with us. Okay. And it is uh, now uh, effective that um, what's going to happen is um, if a student takes a class with us for a day and a half, uh -huh. they will be issued a prior learning unit, one college credit towards, oh, cool. towards their two year associate degree. 
And if they spend like three days with us, it's two college credits and a week with us, they get three three of these programs. Oh, that's great. So so here, yeah, feels good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like I said, I, I mm-hmm. call myself a bricky, you know, <laughs> Mason, right? Uh, you know, to be validated by the university, yes. say, hey, you know what, you are doing something of substance here. Yes. And and, and we recognize yes. you and we are going to issue a college credit yes. towards that. Oh, it's very exciting. exciting yeah. So on the flip to show them that, look, it's not about money. I will tell you that running a craft for a training center, right. it's a money sink. <laughs> right. I have to have a love for doing this because yeah. it's not a money maker. Yeah. I'm taking the revenue streams of what I do with Limeworks and what I do work in uh, restoring buildings. And, then you're and it by funneling yeah. back into this, yeah. it's a give back to the yeah. community and yeah. to the trades thing. As mm-hmm. I know it, I, it's yeah. a money loser. Um, but you know, to, to double up my money losing mm-hmm. capabilities, <laughs> I told I told Bucks County Community College, any student that is enrolled in your program, our posted costs fifty percent. Oh, it's half great. the cost if you're, and that doesn't go just for bucks. Um, uh, we are going to try to extend that to other legitimate students. You know, with an agreement with uh, other universities that uh, if their students want to take the class, we want to be there to help them. Very, and and very so good. we we, yeah. we don't want money to be a, an issue. Yeah. And we also for vets, you know, we are. The, the, the Craftwork Training Center at this site is, um, the, the, the township's allowing me to take this very home we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, it's a, built in 1897, yes. it's a nine bedroom brick Victorian. They're allowing me to turn it into a private guest house. Okay. So in doing so, we're making it ADA compliant because if wounded vets and people want to say, I, I, I'm not packing it in, right. I'm going to learn to do stained glass repair right. sitting down yeah. but how to do mosaics yeah. and stained yeah. glass in a stained glass studio we want to be able to uh, accommodate, so, accommodate them, them. Yeah. so in the same way we have veterans discounts oh, and they're, they're all they're all posted on our website okay craftworktrainingcenter.com yeah i'll make sure that those get posted on our website is there anything else that you that you can think of you wanted to share that we didn't cover no okay very good thank you <laughs> all right thank you for having me okay Thanks for listening to the Practical Preservation Podcast. The resources discussed during this episode are on our website at practicalpreservationservices.com forward slash podcast. If you received value from this episode and know someone else that will get value from it as well, please share it with them. Join us next week for another episode of the Practical Preservation Podcast. For more information on restoring your historic home, visit practicalpreservationservices.com.